If I was to give you a, a visual depiction of my sermon this morning, that would be the way I would depict it. I don't know how many of you received the uh, the uh, Keystone Messenger in your mailboxes at home or wherever. There was a guest editorial in the last issue that directed my thoughts in that way. Can most of you see that all right on this side? And uh, I commentated on, on different ways to uh, springboard this sermon and uh, I thought perhaps of reenacting what took place in, in uh, this account that I'm going to relate to you. Uh, it, it's titled, it was by a guest editorial, Clayton Shank. Some of you may, may remember Clayton was at Maranatha a number of years ago from York, Pennsylvania. Is it Tidings of Peace? Or I'm not sure what the congregation is. But uh, anyway, he had this guest editorial entitled, Lord, Make Me a Bold Witness. And uh, I'm going to read some of this editorial, not read it in its entirety. Where is Jesus? George bellowed at the end of the Christmas Eve candlelight service at the Universal Unitarian Church. What we heard tonight is a lie, he continued. As he preached from the back of the auditorium, we sat there in stunned silence. Our hearts raced wildly, as did our thoughts. As he proclaimed the truth that Jesus is the only way, and that this church that claimed an open mind to all religions should realize that the claims of Christ and the claims of Buddha cannot both be true. We were filled with gratitude that he was speaking what, he, what we were feeling the, all, the service all along. But was this the way to do evangelism? Was this the way to bring Jesus to a congregation who for the past hour had mentioned him only once, along with Buddha and many others? On the way to the service, my wife had asked why we were going to a service of unbelievers. We're going to witness, I told her. We're going to build relationships and open doors so that we can dialogue with them in the future and bring them Jesus. But was this the way? George continued for five minutes, admonishing the audience to be carefully to carefully consider the teachings of Jesus and Buddha and see that they are diametrically opposed to each other. They can't both be true as they claim. The star that night was for Jesus alone and not for Buddha, as was proclaimed in the service earlier. George completed his rebuke, and the pastor dismissed the service. Some quietly left. Most stared at us. Some glared. Many huddled in discussion groups. We had some decisions to make. Do we apologize for the guests that we brought along with us to this service? Do we slink out as fast as possible and avoid any further damage to our reputation? What do we say to the pastor whom we knew from other involvements and was so shocked but yet pleased to see us when we arrived? But wait, what he said was all true. His boldness was tremendous. In, is this what Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and the prophets of old did when the people of God strayed from true worship? Should we be embarrassed by a fellow believer who boldly stood for truth and for Jesus? As the congregation began to try to rebuke us for singing several more, by singing several more Christmas carols, including the Hallelujah Chorus, we stood and sang too. We sang with gusto the real words that proclaimed Christ as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Well, we didn't rush out. We stayed, we visited, we asked questions, and we ended up being among the last to leave. As we discussed this later as a family, we asked ourselves if we and he did the right thing. We all agreed that it was outside of our normal order of evangelism. We all agreed that, he, that what he did wouldn't, we would not probably have done. We all agreed that what was said should have been said. We all agreed that what we should have been willing to do was what he did. So why then is it hard so many times to be old? Well, that was uh, their experience. This morning I'd like to... Uh, uh, continue on with some of those thoughts. Looking at our, our title, Balancing uh, Boldness and Quietness in Our Witness, 
like to just first think of the word balancing. You know, you think of balancing something, it takes equal forces. Uh, a place and time, I believe, for both expressions, that of boldness, perhaps that of quietness. And we saw that in our Sunday school class in our discussion there where Jesus, there were times when he boldly proclaimed the truth and rebuked those that were uh, speaking against him. But then there's other times when he, in quietness and silence, was more powerful and stronger uh, or as strong in his silence. You think of the word boldness, you think of daring, fearless, courage. And you know, we admire that. You know, we think of the three Hebrew bo- in the Old Testament, the three Hebrew boys who boldly stood up and said, you know, that fiery furnace over there, the heat was raiding a yacht. They told the king, they said, we really don't care what, what, the, you know, what, the, what the outcome is, but we're going to stand true to the Lord. And then you think of silence, or quietness rather, you think of silence and making no objection. Well, I'd like to look at the first, look at boldness first of all. And uh, there's a number of scriptures in the Bible that uh, would speak to this characteristic of boldness, especially in the lives of the righteous, in the lives of Christians, in the lives of believers. Turn your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 14, verse 26. I'm not here to say whether George was wrong or not. right or wrong, uh, but I want you to keep that in mind as, as we discuss and share this morning balancing boldness and quietness in our witness, and uh, maybe you have some thoughts to share with me later perhaps in regards to that. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 26, in the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and his children shall have a place of refuge. Quite a lot of truth in that verse. The NIV has the thought, it says, They that fear the Lord have a strong fortress, a place of protection. That is, I'm afraid many times we don't grasp that protection that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. In the fear of the Lord. You know, our fear needs to be of God rather than of man. And the Hebrew boys, those three Hebrew boys, clearly portrayed that thought to the king. They said, you know, we rather would uh, place our hands in, in God's hands. And they boldly stood for the truth. We have a strong fortress, and we need to be reminded of that in our uh, Christian experience, that we have a strong fortress that is beyond anything that we will ever face in life. A place of refuge. We can have strong confidence in God. Dropping down to, uh, or rather paging ahead to chapter 18, verse 10 of Proverbs. It's another, uh, the name of the Lord is a strong tar. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. Uh, The name of the Lord is a strong tar. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. The protection uh, in the name of the Lord that we can find our security and uh, safety. And confidence. These are all things that and thoughts that would relate to boldness. Turning to the New Testament in Ephesians chapter 3. Two verses. Ephesians chapter 3 verses 11 and 12. A 
according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Now you stop and think what he's saying there is that according to the eternal purposes. And that's what we were talking about this morning in the Sunday school class. Uh, Dan was talking about the bigger picture. You know, we sometimes, our carnal nature, our human nature, tends to focus on what is before us right now. What we're facing today. And that's human nature. We can't get away from that. We, we need to, the grace of God to help us to focus to the eternal purposes. Beyond to the eternal purposes. I think that's what he's talking about here. According to eternal purposes. And it's talking about the mission, the purpose of Jesus Christ. And our mission and purpose ought to be uh, parallel to that as well. That my life, your life, as followers of Jesus Christ, uh, need to be of, of service in his kingdom, of, of, if necessary, and sacrifice in his kingdom, in whom, uh, which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence Notice the uh, descriptions there, the uh, boldness and the uh, access with confidence by faith, by the faith of Him. Again, it's not, we don't have boldness in ourselves. Uh, if we do, it, it's, a, it's a tarnished boldness. It's a boldness that will likely crumble. But our boldness needs to be in, in Jesus Christ. And it's, it's that boldness that, that causes us to be a witness for Him. Turning to Hebrews chapter 4, familiar verse, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. It says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Come boldly unto the throne of grace and find mercy uh, to help in time of need. Remember, uh, it's talking about grace there. And grace is the ability to do things God's way. Grace, uh, we can find that grace appropriate as we appropriate it in our lives, in our experiences, as we come to his throne. And then we respond in the way that God wants us to respond. And that's what we're talking about this morning. Boldly uh, proclaiming the truth when God wants us to boldly proclaim it. And then it mentions also the, the idea of mercy there. It says that we may obtain mercy... And find grace to help in time of need. You know, where, uh, Father, where would any of us be this morning without the mercy of God? There's not a one of us could stand before God if it was not His mercy. If God had not extended His mercy to us. God's mercy is withholding from us that which we deserve. We deserve to die because of our sinful nature. But God extended mercy to us. And we can then find, as we approach God, we can then find grace to help in time of need. And grace is giving us that which we didn't deserve, or doing things God's way. I like those two definitions of grace, and I think they, uh, they uh, embrace each other. In our boldness, I believe we need to remember the, these two parallel virtues, mercy and grace. Uh, and it, it helps us to, to keep things balanced, realizing that without experiencing God's mercy, without experiencing God's grace, you know, where would I be? Where would you be this morning? Turning ahead to Hebrews chapter 10, thinking about further about the aspect of boldness. Uh, I'd like to read a number of verses here in Hebrews 10, beginning at verse 19. Through the end of the chapter, actually, I think I'll read 
Hebrews 10, verse 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as ye see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be? Shall he be thought worthy? So who hath trodden under the foot the Son of God, and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing, and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace? For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But call to remembrance the former days in which after ye were illuminated, ye endured a great fight of affliction. Partly whilst you were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly whilst ye became companions of them that were so used. For ye had compassion of me and my bonds, and took joyful of the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense and reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, and if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. number of thoughts here in this passage of Scripture. Verse 19, first of all, I believe the blood of Jesus, very clearly it tells us, it's a blood that gives us boldness to enter into God's presence. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. It's the fact that he shed his blood that we can experience that boldness in entering into the presence of God. Uh, verse 20 is talked about the, the breaking of his, of his body, the sacrifices of his body by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh. We know how that when his, when his life was sacrificed there on Calvary, that the veil in the temple was rent. And uh, as his body was broken, you know, it's symbolizing the, the access we have into the presence of God and the boldness we can experience. Verses 22 through verse 25 mention a number of things. It talks about drawing near with confidence. talks about holding fast, holding fast without wavering, uh, being convinced in what we believe. And then it talks about not forsaking the assembling of ourselves. And the Greek there uh, has the idea of, 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 not, uh, uh, of not giving up. In other words, we're, we're continuing on. Uh, you know, sometimes we read through that verse... And I think it's a deeper purpose of. Not, I think it has a deeper meaning of not simply assembling, but it has the idea of actually giving up the Christian life. Now we realize that can be expressed by a lack of attendance, but I believe it's it, the original Greek would give the idea that the the purpose or reason behind not assembling is the fact that we have given up for the cause of Jesus Christ. Talks about exhorting there, 
And uh, that means encouraging. Our boldness ought to be an encouraging dimension uh, rather than a discouraging. Sometimes boldness can discourage people. But our exhorting needs to be an encouraging way. And in the concluding verses, there's some other thoughts we could perhaps pick from. I like verse 39. It says, uh, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. That's the purpose of our boldness. It ought to be to, to, uh, to bring people to a saving relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, I was impressed with that thought as I, I saw the concluding thought of the writer here. That you know, But we are not of them who draw back in, under perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. That needs to be the, the end result of our, our witness. Turning ahead to chapter 13 of Hebrews... Another verse, verse 6. Again, this is a, a familiar verse and one that many of our children quote, children, grandchildren. So that, and I may have been quoted the other Sunday, I'm not sure. So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. In our boldness, we need to remember it's about the Lord. It's not about me. It's not about maybe what happens to me. But it's, it's, it's the Lord's purposes. It's the Lord's goals. And uh, I'm only a channel through which God is working. You are only a channel through which God is working. But we can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. We, as human, human nature, many times we get our feelings, our emotions wrapped up in our boldness. And it comes out wrong. But when we focus on what the Lord's purposes are, when we focus on what the Lord wants, uh, again, the saving of souls, it, it, it helps to keep us in perspective. Well, there are some examples of those that were bold. And uh, turning, of course, to Acts chapter 6, one of my favorite is, is that of Stephen. Acts chapter 6, verses 7 through 15. Beginning at uh, verse uh, 7. And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines, and Cyrenians, and Alexandrians, and of them of Cilicia and of Asia, disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. Notice that. They were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. Then they suborned men, which said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and came upon him and caught him and brought him to the council and set up false witnesses, which said, This man ceases not to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered us. And all that sat in the council looking steadfastly on him saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. And in chapter 7, and I'll read that, but there we see Stephen continuing to proclaim to the council with boldness you know, what he understood and what he believed for, uh, in. 
And in dropping down to verses, uh, breaking in at verses 51, he gets really pointed. And he says, Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did. So do ye. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them which showed before of the coming of the just one, referring to Jesus, of whom ye have been now the betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the disposition of angels and have not kept it. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up and steadfastly into heaven, saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city, stoned him, and the witnesses laid down their clothes on a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud, loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Very powerful boldness and, and, and testimony that Stephen had in sharing uh, his testimony before the council. And it cost him his life. In our boldness, I believe we need to be willing to lay down our lives. There's another, backing up to Acts chapter 2, we have the sermon of Peter on Pentecost. And uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 14, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. And then... uh, 37 to 47, we see Peter sharing again uh, his testimony, his understanding of what had taken place. And breaking in at verse 37, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And in many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. I don't know if you ever thought about it. What was, you know, the few chapters there, what, how the response was different here. Uh, you know, they, there was uh, acceptance of Peter's boldness, but yet there was rejection of, of Stephen's boldness. Uh, was it uh, the way Stephen preached? Was it, the different, was it a totally different audience? Probably, uh, for sure. Um, you know, it talks there in Stephen's account how these suborned men and uh, fabricated things much like they did for Christ uh, in his trial and uh, but uh, you know I was just impressed as I thought about you know two men here two faithful men who in their boldness proclaimed the truth and uh, the one paid with their life right away and the other of course ended up paying later but uh, the difference in, in those two responses why the difference between Peter's sermon and Stephen? Stephen's uh, sermon, the response on the audience, uh, both very bold, but yet totally two different outcomes. And that could be our experience as well, too, as we think of boldness. You know, there's times that we, there's, I guess that's what I want to get to, is that, you know, there's, there's a time to be bold, and there's maybe a time to be silent, too. Uh, 
Well, I like to look on the aspect of quietness just a little bit. And again, I like to just pick out on our Sunday school lesson. I knew that was there, and I, I thought it was very fitting. I like to just read. It wasn't totally mentioned here. I think Ellis came very close to it. There's a, a ver- there's a word that the lesson writer uses in describing Jesus' silence. I'll just read that paragraph. Pilate did not take Jesus' silence as an admission of guilt. Rather, he deeply he was deeply impressed and marveled at Jesus, and he uses the word composure. And uh, I like that word. I think as Christians, as followers of God, we need to be composed. Uh, and it's easier said than done. You know, when things are going wrong, when things are stacking up against us, we tend, humanly speaking, to lose our composure. Uh, but I, I, I believe this. I believe this is an accurate uh, assessment of Jesus sitting there. You know. He knew men's hearts. He knew what was going to be said before it was even said. We don't know that. And that's a disadvantage we have. Uh, you know, we're sometimes shocked in reality when we find accusations brought against us, perhaps. But uh, you know, God's grace is all sufficient, right? And it doesn't matter what the accusations are. Uh, I'll appreciate what Dennis said. You know that. Uh, you know, we, we our characters need to speak for themselves. It's not like we need to be out there, uh, you know, toting them around. Uh, Pilate arrived at, 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 at the accurate assessment of Jesus. He said uh, he, he made a sincere, seemingly sincere statement. He said, I, "I find no fault in this man," and uh, you know that's a challenge. Uh, could I have that same composure and quietness uh, if I'm being accused? The truly non-resistant person will always respond in humility and often in silence when he's accused. Silence indicates a willingness to submit to authority. It indicates a willingness not to defend self or argue with others. It also indicates innocence of sin and evil intentions. So I was challenged as I, I thought about the example of Jesus in quietness. Uh, we certainly have uh, a very, very good example there in our Sunday school lesson this morning. Turning back to the Old Testament as we think of quietness, Isaiah chapter 30. Uh, again, these verses are probably familiar verses that we've read many times. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15 For thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, In returning and rest shall ye be saved. In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength, and ye would not. Now the setting here is where where God was rebuking his people, uh, the children of Israel, for rather trusting in Egypt, rather than returning and trusting and putting their confidence in God. That's Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15. Um, In quietness, confidence shall be your strength. Matthew Henry uh, had this thought about that verse. He said, it, it means simply, in, in, in a very concise form, he said, relying upon God. And in quietness, as we witness, we, we need to realize that we are simply a channel through which God is working, and we're relying on Him. And it may involve quietness. Uh, quietness is not, is, is, an, uh, is a characteristic that sometimes we, uh, we feel uneasy about. But... Uh, I think we need to feel more comfortable with it. At least I need to. Uh, I probably talk too much, and uh, you know, it's all right to be quiet sometimes and let God's Spirit work in the hearts of men and people's lives. Relying upon God rather than upon, and in the example that's given here, the people were relying rather on the programs of Egypt rather than trusting in God and. Do I trust in my own strength? Do I trust in my own abilities to understand and, and uh, know what the needs are in people's lives? I need to rely upon God. Turning ahead to Isaiah chapter 32, <clears throat> verse 17. 
Another word, another verse here in regards to that of quietness. And the work of the righteous shall be peace, and the effect of righteousness, quietness, and assurance forever. Now that's something that doesn't ever wear out. Uh, the work of the righteous, peace, quietness, and assurance. I like that verse. Uh, I think it's a verse that I want to experience, especially as we think of witnessing. Again, you might say, well, how does that verse relate to, to Stephen's testimony? Uh, well, I believe Stephen was preaching peace and reconciliation of men's hearts to God, and they certainly resisted it. And, of course, there couldn't be peace. But uh, the effect of righteousness, and that's where the, the aspect comes in. When there's righteousness with God, then there can be peace and quietness and assurance forevermore. And uh, we see that probably played out or lived out, fleshed out in Peter's uh, boldness and testimony. As 3,000 souls were added to the church, and there was uh, people were brought into a right relationship with God, and that can be ours as too, our experience as well too. <clears throat> uh, verse 18, continuing on there, and my people shall dwell in a peaceful habitation and assured dwellings, and in quiet resting places. God is promising us uh, peace and quietness and resting places. Uh, as we follow his plan, as we speak his words, as we share our testimony, I believe God is, uh, is giving us, uh, we can have confidence. Uh, and I believe that's talking spiritually. Uh, there are those, I, I just saw there was an article in the news just recently, there was, was it 12 Christians who had gone down on the shores of Libya, uh, seemingly execution style. Again, no documentation necessarily on that, some news leads, but... Uh, you know, you might say, where's the where's the uh, the quietness and the resting places for those Christians? Well, it's in the hands of the Lord, in reality. And uh, you know, I don't think it's talking temporarily, but I, it could be experienced. We're experiencing it maybe temporarily here right now, but you know, it, it goes beyond that. It's deeper than that. It's more. It's more than that. Way, way more than that. I think the, uh, there was an article, too, on the Syrian Christians who are experiencing uh, persecution as well and some taxes being exacted upon them and all kinds of restrictions as to when and where they can meet. And uh, you know, So there is persecution uh, in the world today, for sure, of those that are following the Lord. Turning to the New Testament, 1 Timothy chapter 2, as we think... Uh, some more dimensions on quietness. First Timothy chapter two. <clears throat> Begin reading at verse one through verse six. I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men for kings and for all that are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. And I'll stop reading there. But uh, it talks about leading a quiet and peaceable life. Uh, and it uh, mentions the idea that uh, for this is this in verse three for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. I believe God desires that we could experience quietness and peacefulness in our lifetime. 
especially spiritually again. Again, it may not involve uh, peace and quietness in as we think especially of the Anabaptist lifestyle. You know, the many times they were persecuted and pursued by their adversaries and even today in many parts of the world. Uh, godliness, it talks about godliness. Uh, it says lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness. Godliness has to do with right worship of God. God-likeness means living a life that is pleasing to God. God-likeness, uh, worshiping Him in a right way. And then it talks about... Uh, the idea of uh, uh, honesty, in all honesty, and uh, I believe that has the idea of, of good conduct toward man. So we're talking about two different, we're talking about a vertical relationship to God, and we're talking about a horizontal relationship between man. So as we live our lives in all godliness and all honesty, it's covering both relationships, our relationship to God and our relationship to mankind in all honesty. These two, godliness and honesty, must be uh, experienced together. So I was thinking about quietness. There's some aspects of Christianity some aspects of Christianity that are better understood, lived than verbalized. Uh, you think about that aspect of quietness. You know, there are some things we, we really can't totally explain why and how we respond the way we do. Uh, and it, they're better understood by, by living them out, by fleshing them out. And uh, as I thought about quietness, I also thought about the verse in First Peter chapter uh, 3, verse 15, familiar verse. First uh, Peter 3:15 says, "But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear." Having a good conscience that whereas they may speak evil of you, as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. So we need to be ready always to give an answer in meekness and fear. Uh, so there is a time for us to, to answer if we're asked, I believe. We also have the scripture in, in Mark chapter 13 where we... Uh, Jesus told his followers, he said, uh, Mark chapter 13, breaking in at verse 9, he says, But take heed to yourselves, for they shall deliver you up to councils and in synagogues. You shall be beaten, and you shall be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them. And the gospel must first be published among all nations, but when they shall lead you and deliver you up, take no thought beforehand what ye shall speak. Neither do ye premeditate, but whatsoever ye shall shall be given you, and that are, that speak ye, for it is not ye that speak, but the Holy Ghost. So we have that promise, that as we are brought before those, uh, and because of our lifestyle, that we, the Holy Spirit, will give us those answers that we should be given. And I guess as I think about uh, the idea of boldness and quietness, you know, if those, if those uh, thoughts that we share are prompted by the Holy Spirit, uh, they're certainly they're, they're right and they're good. Well, thirdly, I want to think about the aspect of balance. So we're talking about boldness, we're talking about quietness in relation to our witness. And there's certainly a place for both. We've seen the example of Christ. We've seen some of the examples of, uh, of the early church where boldness was used and, and responses were different. What about balance? Well, there's uh, four things that I think about as I think about balance, and I don't have scriptures necessarily to... Uh, to uh, endorse these, but yet they're principles that we see in the Scripture and the Word of God throughout the Scripture, I believe. 
Uh, and the first one, I think, is I think of keeping it balanced. And I wanted to mention, too, that, you know, uh, probably you can think about your life. Would you rate yourself more bold or more quiet as you think of witnessing? Uh, probably none of us are right smack dab in the middle. Just perfect. Uh, if we are, we're probably, <laughs> probably off balance anyway. But... Uh, so you can think about yourself this morning whether you're whether that board is more toward the quiet side or the bold side. And as I think about balancing our witness, there's four things I want to give you to help to counter counter your witness to keep it balanced, whether it's boldness or whether it's quietness. And I'm going to just give you these four, and I'm going to talk just a little bit about them. First of all, I think there's respect. Secondly, I think there's love. Thirdly, I think there's the idea of serving. And then fourthly, there's the idea of listening. So we have four things. God has given us throughout the scripture and uh, has given us the ability to uh, exercise these four different characteristics, respect, love, serve, and listen, to keep us balanced in our relationship to others, believers, unbelievers, whatever the case may be. In the case we're talking about here, be witnessing to those that would not be believers in Jesus Christ. Well, thinking about respect, so... If, if, I'm, if I'm saying, I, okay, I tend to be more on the quiet side, I've got to remember that, okay, I've got to stack something else on the other side to keep it balanced. I've got to remember that to get, to get it balanced, I've got to have respect added in there. Well, respect is a two-way street. We appreciate it when it's shown to us, and we ought to be willing to give it back to others as well. Our fellow human beings, respect. Uh, not their sin, not their lifestyle, but as we see others, we need to see others that Christ died for. A soul that Christ was willing to sacrifice and shed his blood on Calvary for. Respect for that individual. Uh, we see that depicted in the scripture. He came not to... Uh, he came to seek and save those that were lost and uh, not call the righteous to repentance. Respect. As I thought about my story, or the editorial here from uh, Clayton Shank, um, you know, we appreciate when people respect our church services. Uh, and I don't know the whole story here, perhaps, maybe it's not encountered. Was, was there a time for an opportunity given for testimony, or uh, open the service, open mic type thing? I don't know. It doesn't say that. But we certainly appreciate when people respect our order of service. And uh, I'll just say that for as, in regards to uh, uh, what took place in that service. Um, even though it may have been right, may have been correct, I, I would question uh, whether there was respect there that was uh, there, that could have been there perhaps. Well, looking at the second aspect of love, or the second uh, counterweight that we need to apply, uh, whether you're on the quietness side or the boldness side, uh, love is, is a human uh, is a is a response that is uh, humanly universally understood. It's a channel through which we can reach out and into other people's lives. That and I want to say that carefully because there are probably people in this world today that maybe have not experienced the love as we have in our culture, in our world, in our homes today. So love is somewhat a foreign ex expression to them. But I still think probably in, in every human life there's, 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 a, there's a dimension or a nugget of love that can be accessed that can draw them to uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, so it's, it's a language that you think about love. It's a language that, that helps to keep us balanced in our approach in relationship to others. 
and it's, it's, it's universally understood to varying degrees, perhaps. The third thing is the idea of serve. Uh, I believe we need to give ourselves, and it's actually, as we think of serving others, you know, what can I do for you? How can I help you? Uh, rather than simply boldly or uh, challenging them, perhaps, or maybe not saying anything, uh, you know, being willing to give yourself, it's, it's actually love and action. That's what service is, love and action. And uh, we need to be willing to do it not because of who I am, uh, but I'm doing it because of my relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm serving you this morning. I'm preaching to you this morning because of my relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. And anything we do throughout life ought to be because of our relationship to Him. Scripture, matter of fact, even tells us that even a cup of cold water, a very small insignificant thing given in the name of the Lord will not go unrewarded. It's an aspect of service that those small deeds, regardless how small or how large they are, God, it's a channel through which we can reach and approach people. Well, the fourth uh, counterweight that we need in keeping our boldness or quietness balanced is, is the idea of listening. And this is an old saying. You've heard it before. People don't care how much we know until they know how much we care. And uh, you know how that's conveyed? That's conveyed through listening, I believe. We need to be ready to listen. Maybe we do not agree with what they're saying, but when we take time to listen to people, it's, it's an avenue, a channel through which uh, I believe that will help us to counterbalance our strength in weakness or strength or weakness in boldness or quietness. Well, in conclusion, I'm going to reiterate Brother Earl last Sunday. He said, may the Lord help us. I don't know if you caught that or not. You catch that, Dennis? <laughs> I almost said amen. Uh, Brother Earl talked about, he preached on the, the power of the Holy Spirit, and uh, he concluded with the idea of uh, the Lord helping us to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. And that indeed is what we're talking about this morning. Allowing the Holy Spirit to have a free course in our witness and testimony as we relate to others in this world today.